Professors FM. Doug, as you know, we have joined the Professors FM podcast network. So it's extremely exciting. It's like for the first time in my life, I'm going to have academic friends. This is big. And as part of this, we're going to talk about some of the other shows on the network. One of the things we talk a lot about in terms of sports analytics is the role of incentives, right? It's all about incentives. And so one of the other shows on the network is called Taxes for the Masses, brought to you by Lisa DeSimone from the University of Texas and Bridget Stomberg from Indiana University. And so what these two ladies do is they dive into all things taxes. I think it's a great compliment to what we do. In some ways, there's nothing bigger in public policy than taxes in terms of shaping the economy and society because taxes change how people behave. So, you know, give it a listen. Great show. You ready to jump in? I'm ready to do this, but you're not going to. How about I introduce you? Hello, everybody. This is Tom Smith and Mike Lewis with Mike Lewis's Fanalytic Podcast, where we talk about all things fan and analytics. See how they went go together? Fanalytics. <laughs> okay, that's the last time I'm going to let Tom do the intro. To my right is a good friend and marketing professor, Mike Lewis. How are you doing, Mike? I'm doing well, Tom. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you, sir. Analytics with Mike Lewis, the podcast where we talk about everything you need to know about sports analytics. Here's your host, Mike Lewis, marketing professor at Emory University. So our topic today is something that's very much in the news. Um, and, and I actually think this is a little bit... Um, little bit unusual. I mean, usually in the sports world, we almost have these cycles, right? Where the same issue pops up year in, year year out, right? I mean, it's like you look at the you look at the calendar and you know what the hot topic is going to be. Right. Uh, but this year, um, the issue of potential free agent and potential free agent quarterbacks has been really a significant source of discussion. Very much so. Okay, and in particular, one gentleman is soaking up you know much of the me and, and and he's driving a lot of this right. If you took Tom Brady out of the equation, it's not clear to me how much uh, how much talk there would be about uh, free agent quarterbacks. Well, De- I mean, Dak Prescott is getting a fair amount of chatter. So, I mean, but you're right. Well, would, the total total amount of chatter would decrease by multiple percentages, like yeah. two or well, three times. And as we go into this discussion today, so. Let, let me say that one of the things that, uh, and we don't want to take the, t- the, take the time to clarify everyone's situation, there's a number of quarterbacks that are free agents. There are also a number of quarterbacks that are potentially about to be released. There are quarterbacks in sort of interesting, like Dak Prescott, interesting cur- contract situations. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, maybe the way to look at this is that this is a conversation about potential and likely quarterback movements. Okay. okay, I like that. I like that. As we go into this, you know, I, I've been, you know, reading up on it and watching uh, some of the commentators. Um, so the, this idea of quarterback movement and sort of the likely destination of Tom Brady, I think, is an interesting question, both as a sports fan and as a, you know, from an academic and econ- an economist perspective, a marketer's perspective. Uh, a lot of what I've been hearing is like this idea of, well, how can GMs pitch? You know, how can a GM mm. make this relationship happen, make a Tom Brady sign? And along with that, like the idea of, 
And, and I even heard a commentator mention this this morning, that this is like a marriage, right? So how can the right. pitch be designed in a way to, you know, bring two parties together for a beneficial relationship? Right, right. So when I was when I was when I was coming in uh, this morning and thinking about this, I I threw my mind back into a scenario that we saw um, with respect to Peyton Manning. So at the tail end of Peyton Manning's career, um, he he lost a year because of a neck injury, and so he was uh, dropped from the. Indianapolis, and he was picked up by the Denver Broncos. And at the time, I mean, people in Indianapolis went a little bit nuts because uh, they didn't know it was going to happen. And um, everybody in the Bronco land um, thought that this was a great idea. But what you just said here about this marriage is what made that particular movement work. Well, let me put a let me put a little note to, that we can circle back to a little bit later. Yeah, is that um, you know potentially the idea why? Well, some folks might have been happy in Indianapolis, right? Because it's sort of you're starting to invest in the the next guy. You know, on the other side of it, that um, you know, in the case of Denver, it's almost like um, avoiding uh, you know doing let's say the the fundamental foundation building, right? It's a it's a stopgap in a way. So there's sort of an interesting dynamic perspective on this stuff as well, right? Right, right. It sort of depends on where you're at. And so this probably dovetails nicely into where this conversation has to go, and that is there's a lot of teams that would like a Tom Brady. There's only a certain number of teams that would that could make a Tom Brady work because Tom Brady doesn't want to be part of an eight-year rebuilding plan. It doesn't make any sense for Brady. It doesn't make any sense for the team. The, this 51. has to be— What's that? You said an eight-year rebuilding plan, so he would be 51. <laughs> right? Yeah. No, exactly. It, it makes zero sense. So this has got to be a team that's on the cusp of winning a championship in the next three years. I'm saying three years max. Optimistically. Uh, I mean, a lot of people are saying it's only going to be a two-year contract. So that, that makes a difference. Whether it's a three-year contract or two-year contract, whether a team has a two-year horizon or a three-year horizon, makes a huge difference on the number of teams where he could go. Okay, and it's a, it's a small issue, but three years, um, you know, some of this gets down to, and again, we'll come back to this point, issues related to how NFL contracts work. It's not, right. it's not that people are paid sort of their standard salary each year. There is generally a large signing bonus, and then an annual contract. Now, That's right. Now, the way the quarterback market has moved, I mean, potentially it could be three years of guaranteed money, three years at $100 million. That seems kind of crazy given the the age of the player involved. But, I mean, that's that's part of this as well. Just for for our listeners, just, just to make some other fine points here, because people might not know all the nuances here. Um, so in basketball, when you sign, let's say, a three-year contract – and it's for eight million dollars a year. It, even if you get cut off of the first after the first year, you're going to collect your paycheck. Baseball is exactly the same thing. In the NFL, you only get paid if you're on the roster. So if they cut you after no. the first year, th- historically that's how it was. I mean, I, I think when Kirk Cousins went, you know, signed his latest deal at Minnesota, it changed a little bit. Yeah, but I mean, he has a very specific contract, right? And so the the amount of guaranteed money that you get up front can determine that is how long you get paid. But if let's say you hear somebody says, 
oh, they just fr- signed this this left left tackle for a five year deal. It, there's no guarantee that that person's right. actually going to play for five. And years. And again, I just want to put the caveat that in general and historically, that's how it used to be. Sure, it's not clear if that's changing a little bit, at least not in the quarterback market. Okay, we'll see. Yeah, yeah we'll see. Okay. We'll see. Okay, um, so. In terms of, you know, setting this up, the first thing that I, I thought of is um, sort of the notion that what we look at in the free agent process or the free agent market is uh, it reminds me of, um, let's say, some of these kind of search models or matching oh. models that yep. you will see in the academic literature. And, and, you know, we do a lot of search models in marketing, right, and the idea is you know, basically figuring out when someone's going to make a selection, very often like in high-tech products. Uh, I think, you know, we've very much moved academically to this idea of this matching model mm-hmm. in terms of things. Yeah, you know, essentially, there's two sides to this market, and things need to fit. So right. just as we go into this, um, and this is, is going to be a partial list, and some of the folks are in sort of different stats, but just sort of to lay out the groundwork. So some of the teams that seem to be interested in quarterbacks. Okay. Redskins. Bears, okay, and so you'd see right off the bat, these place, these teams are coming at it from different directions. The Redskins, the Bears, the Raiders, Tampa Bay, Indianapolis, the Chargers, the Patriots, uh, potentially even San Francisco, and, and a couple of others. In terms of some of the key players out there, we've got Tom Brady, of course, uh, Philip Rivers, Drew Brees is, I believe, a uh, free agent, though yep. likely to sign with New Orleans, uh, Marcus Mariota. Derek Carr. And so, again, there's, there's really kind of a mix here where Carr is still under contract, but it seems like there's been some signals that the Raiders may be willing to uh, part ways. Um, so Jimmy G, you know, which is interesting for a uh, player that's just coming off a Super Bowl appearance, uh, but there seem to be some indications that uh, at least for the right potential deal or signing that maybe the 49ers have seen enough. Now, I think even that's a – again, I'm putting a pin in a lot of thoughts, the idea that um, – some internal evaluations may have been made as an important part of the story. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, uh, you know, Winston from uh, Tampa Bay. Yeah, and, I miss Winston, yeah. And, you know, potentially, you know, one of the names that, you know, it's not going to happen, but, you know, Dak Prescott is definitely a name that I find interesting in this whole offseason. Well, it's. I mean, he is a he is a free agent. I know the Cowboys are thinking about whether or not to throw a franchise tag on him or not. Well, d- d- you know, fr- and again, you know, let's not get wrapped up into it. But free is relative, right? Okay, it's it's. I mean, yes, of course, relative in that the Cowboys still have control over over him, right? Uh, yeah, they can, they have options. They have options. Cowboys have options. That's right. Okay. That's right. Okay, and, and so. With, with that kind of long list, and, and like I said, there's a lot of uh, diversity or heterogeneity in, across these teams and these players. I, I laugh because I dropped the word heterogeneity. You did. Um, you did. So what are the elements of a match? You know, how does this market work? Yeah, so, I mean, I, I mentioned before, you know, I was looking looking at the the, the Broncos and saying whether or not uh, – whether or not this older quarterback. So we'll talk about Peyton Manning and that Peyton Manning, right? Yeah. So, so, so the the person who is running that team was the former Super Bowl winning uh, quarterback, and um, and he was John Elway at that point. John Elway. John Elway. That's okay. right. Very good. So John, I mean, so John Elway looked at this and said, "Look, we are maybe a piece or two away from winning a championship. Am I willing to bring somebody over who can provide?" 
let's say, um, some good football imagination or good sort of football genetics or football thought process into our team. So you bring in somebody who is a leader um, and somebody who won a championship already. If I I recall correctly, Tebow had been the quarterback for for the Broncos. That's, coming into that, so a, a disappointing first round, late first round pick, I believe. But he, but he came over and he actually um, made some people very happy. He helped them win a uh, playoff game late in, in the game and defeated some, the Steelers, I believe. Yeah, in a threw, some, game. threw some nice, nice touchdown passes, and well, I mean, he looked. Okay, when nice, I say nice, a okay, nice pass, nice I mean, enough. Yeah. He got, someone caught it, man, and they scored a touchdown and they won. Right, so, but but this kind of goes to the issues of like these internal evaluations he won a playoff game he but did. did he do it in a pretty fashion did he do it in a in a fashion that said this is this guy is the future clearly not because like elway said we're going to go with somebody who has a much more known quantity even though coming off of this manning hadn't played for a year because of this neck injury right and so he was a known unknown but at least he was they knew about what his unknowns were a lot of matching has to do with what are the vectors of characteristics that you're looking at, okay? Mm-hmm. And this is, we're talking a little bit of academics, a little bit away from, maybe sometimes we're just talking about sort of punditry or this is what sports is all about. But you brought up these academic elements. And so you've got a vector of characteristics that you're looking for and someone else does as well. And so when you have a match, it means that the things that I'm looking for are the things that you possess and the things that you are looking for are the things that I possess. Okay, and, and so, you know, let, let's be careful here, like vector of characteristics, basically that our incentives and our goals align. Yeah, correct. exactly. Okay. Okay. I know, you're saying it much more concretely than I am, succinctly. Well, <laughs> but, I mean, I'm, I'm talk, doing a little bit more academic. Yeah, that's, speak, and that's, right? and that's, that's fine. But so, you know, I mean, you think about it, look, it's a matching problem, and you're going to see matching, you know, matching research related to things like the labor market, right? So the candidate has to fit the job. Right? That's right. You can do matching related to relationships. You know, yeah, the, very good. The, the, the relation, you know, the, the, the husband and the wife need to be aligned in terms of goals, et cetera. Of course. Right? That's all. The, and so in some ways, academics have this real gift for making things sound complicated that are actually common sense. I tend to think academics are either formalizing common sense or making mistakes. But just, that's sort of a personal aside. Well, in this case, I think I'm just sort of formalizing some common sense. Yeah. Right? And you mentioned a couple different things when you think about matching. So if, it's your, if you're trying to find an online date, you're looking at people's, at their profile pictures, but you're also saying, oh, what kind of books do you like? Or so what you, what is what's your Tom, political affiliation? So what is Tom Brady looking for in this online date? I think for his online date, he wants somebody who is one step away from winning a championship. Because I think if he has anything left to prove, it's not that he can win a championship. It's that he can win a championship that's not attached to Belichick. And I think that's what he wants to prove. That's He doesn't have anything left to prove, right? He's got records. He's got longevity. He's got an amazing career. But to be able to go to some other team and say, oh, these guys put it together because of me, okay. that's that's what he's wanting. So what I'm hearing is that's his, uh, his objective is related to legacy 
And to achieve that legacy, he needs a team that is in position at a position to win a Super Bowl either next year in the, in the next two years, perhaps. That's right. And this is a okay. little bit different. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go back two steps. Like we had a Brett Favre, right? Who he retired from the Green Bay Packers. The the Packers signaled Brett Favre. That is, they they said to him, "We're gonna go with Aaron Rodgers. We don't need you anymore." Brett Favre kind of retired and said, you know, I really want to keep playing football. So he just needed a team who was interested in his talent. His objective was, I just want to play another year. Think about this, Joe Montana. Joe Montana. He went to the Kansas City Chiefs, and but it wasn't because, oh, I want to win a championship with Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs said, yeah, we'll give you another year, another, okay. right? Different well, objective function. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, did Montana really have a different objective function than Brady? You know, I mean. Well, did he want to win? Okay. Yeah, but I mean, okay. he wasn't. He wasn't in a position at that point in his career where he could sort of choose his team. Okay. I it, think that the, he had to choose whatever team was willing to hire him. That's different than Brady. Okay, and so what's then the uh, so then Brady needs a match with a team that is in a position to win? Is it that simple? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned right now you mentioned the 49ers, right? Let's just let's just let's just play that game. Okay, the match game. Okay, so so Garofalo actually played under Tom Brady for years. Okay, I know he has at least one championship ring when he was behind Tom Brady, and so these two guys already know how they work. I don't think Garofalo uh, that that Garofalo would be really happy about Tom Brady coming in and taking his job again, but the 49ers would probably be happy about that. So they have a defense, they've got off, they've got receivers, they're ready to go. So you say, okay. Garoppolo couldn't do it, so we're going to put Tom Brady in there and see if he can make it work. So to me, that sounds like a really nice match. You've got a team that's on the cusp; they just they lost in the Super Bowl. Tom Brady knows how to come back from that. They need somebody who can, let's say, pull off that last-minute magic win. Mm-hmm. Tom Brady has done that. It's so Brady's going to another large market that works for him. It's on the coast that works for him. Okay, so it's I think that's a really very good match. With, how about you? You well, tell you give me a match that you think would work. Well, I, I you know I mean so then the question becomes just your prediction or so your evaluation of the different teams. Um, you know, I, are, are the Bears uh, a sufficiently talented roster that they're really just missing a quarterback to take it to the ne- next level? Um, San Francisco, obviously, given how far they got last mm-hmm. year, you know, my favorite in all of this is the Dallas Cowboys with you know really some elite talent at. Um, you know, especially at the running back and some other positions as uh, being a, a step away from, you know, getting to that ultimate level. I, I don't know that there's a, when I look at these, I, I just don't know that um, anything sort of totally pops off the page beyond, let's say, San Francisco as, you know, a place that is tailor-made for a Super Bowl run. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, sometimes when you when you talk about the match and sort of being successful, if we just have this this set of San Francisco, uh, the Bears, uh, a couple of others, well, then, you know, New Orleans, uh, sorry, New England starts to look pretty good again as well in terms of having that final run. Now that would be, you know, a stamp on a legacy that again is is locked in with Belichick, and so some of this is, you know, some of this actually gets gets us beyond, let's say a a logical or rational perspective into egos. I mean, and, and actually you can make an argument that some of this is logical, like the, but the ego could drive the need to succeed 
separately. Okay, right? so so this so so here's what I'm seeing, and when and, and when you were talking, I just got this I got this sort of flashback of this news article I read, and I, I'm going to screw this up a little bit, but I just read this article about this. I want to say as a country singer, and so she. And so her husband, I think, was having an affair with a with a woman. So he left and went to go marry that woman. That woman's husband left and went to go marry her. So essentially, there was like a spouse swap between these two between these two couples. Like the husband of one went to the other, and the husband of the other went to the other. Yeah. And so I could see a situation where let's say let's go to the Patriots, right? Where the Patriots say, "Okay, we need um, one of these sort of hot shot quarterbacks. We're we're not in the long long game. We can want I, to get can back I into interrupt it. to throw in a little bit of terminology here? I suppose. Okay, so uh, when you say that, you know, I think of the term of asymmetric information. Ooh, ooh okay. very nice. And so the idea, and sort of to make it concise, the idea is." Well, you know, who knows the most about Tom Brady? Uh, it's the Patriots, and it's Bill Belichick, right? Right. And who knows the most about Jimmy G? Well, it's, it's the San Francisco organization, right? And so in a, weird, in, a, in a strange way, you could almost imagine, you know, that those organizations maybe really know the faults, right? And there's always this thing called the negativity bias. It's like, oh, God, this guy just lost the Super Bowl. Oh, this guy is tailing off at the end of his career. And so maybe those organizations have a little bit more negative information than the general public, right? Yes. And so they might be both eager to make a swap, but could both end up being disappointed. Okay, you know? so <laughs> I'm going to go back to like some other relationship examples because I always find it curious. In economics, uh, you know, we've got these, these famous professors from University of Chicago that wrote the Freakonomics book, and they're always talking about how they can explain just about everything with economic principles, right? And so the asymmetric information and what kind of information you have also explains why it is that, I don't know, is it Larry King that like married the same woman two different times, right? I mean, you get these kind of weird phenomenon where someone says they, they get divorced from somebody and then they end up marrying them again because they're like, well, I know you, I know you better than everybody else, even though I know your faults. I happen to know all the other things about you that make sense that that work for me, right? And so people end up in these like relationships over and over again. Would it be so strange for, let's say. Uh, like like the Cowboys and the Patriots to basically switch quarterbacks. No, it wouldn't, like because they're both in that kind of position. Do the Cowboys know everything about the Patriot about about let's say um, Tom Brady? Like everything that they can't see on film. So how he behaves in the locker room and what his idiosyncrasies are and what have you. No, that's where the asymmetric information comes in. So they have to make a guess about a handful of things about Tom Brady that they don't really know. And the Patriots are in the best position to completely evaluate who Tom Brady is and how well it fits into their production function. Well, we can, I mean, look, we can go down the list, right? And, and again, partial list. Uh, Tom Brady seems like the Patriots may be willing to see him go, right? Okay. Uh, Philip Rivers, it seems like the signal is that the Chargers are letting him go. 100%. The Chargers are letting him go, right? Uh, Marcus Mariota had been... You know, I know the Bears have talked. There have been some talk about the Bears pursuing him. Well, he got benched. Um, uh, Derek Carr has, you know, sort of been given a signal that he is. That the, again, the Raiders are willing to see him go. Yeah, the Raiders are interested in doing something else. Um, you know, Dak Prescott has not gotten the money he wanted, 
And, and so it's interesting. If you go down this list. Um, the Titans quarterback, Ryan, right? So Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, right. So are they, I mean, are they interested in moving along? As I have heard that Brady, the Titans are looking at Brady, Brady yeah. and or Brady is looking at the Titans. So it seems like, you know, in, in so many of these situations, we could see something where someone is willing to push the incumbent out. Right. But then also take someone off of this list that someone else has pushed out. Okay. It's kind of a curious situation, right? Right. Right. And so so you th- think about this. Is it so? Th- so the Patriots say that we're not going to pursue Tom Brady because we're going to go in a different direction. And so this opens up, let's say, the Titans to say, okay, we're going to, this guy is leaving. We'd rather go after Tom Brady and let's see if we can kind of. Uh, hit this this crest, like get into the playoffs and win some games and get to the Super Bowl. Now is our opportunity to do it, right? Okay. No, I like that. I like that. So what were you? So what were you thinking about some of these other things? So we, I mean, I mean, you mentioned like Drew Brees earlier, but having the Saints been very clear that they would like it seems to, like it, right? Right. And so some of these sort of that's what you talk about. Well, the, but it, it's a domino effect, right? So if um if Brees is re-signed by the uh, by the Saints, that means t- Teddy Bridgewater is going to be potentially available, right? Okay. And so, I, you know, I don't know that Bridgewater excites a lot of people, but it's definitely, you know, come back to this idea of, you know, a domino effect or sort of a dynamic matching situation. There's a lot of stuff in play. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Do you think this changes, let's say, some of the free agencies for wide receivers, running backs, tight ends? So let me, so let me think about this, right? You have a... What I saw online earlier was that, let's say, the 49ers were were kind of set up in some way for Brady, very particularly because they've got like somebody who's very much like Gronk. They've got some other players who have very, very similar characteristics and or the same kind of stats that Brady is already used to working with. But other teams, so let's say like a Titans, the Titans might have to go out and actually acquire a first-name tight end or a, a star running back or a star wide receiver. And so do they have to make some kind of like a simultaneous decision or they do this like in, in sequence? They say, okay, we're going to make a strong push towards Brady. And then once you get Brady, all of a sudden now the, the tight end or, the, or, the, or the, the wide receiver has a much stronger play because the Titans say, okay, we're going to hire Brady. Now we got to go out and get a top-name wide receiver. Now the wide receiver can hold them up, right? And now they've got them as a hostage. I mean, in some respects, you've got to make this decision sort of simultaneously, bringing on Brady and a receiver so neither of them really holds up the Titans or the or or let's say the the Bears. Yeah, right? I, I think that's fair. Um and I think it highlights the the complexity and I, and I suspect that teams are not well, you know, even though there's been this revolution in terms of analytics across all sports, I suspect teams are not well suited to go down the path that you're talking about, right? Because it suddenly and I think this is kind of key, and this brings us to sort of the the backdrop for this for all of these things, right? The rules of the game, the CBA, is that when there's a salary cap in place, right? You've got to make decisions not just on who's going to be the best player, but on the cost side of that because it changes it changes how much money you can spend on. You, know, you spend a lot of money on a quarterback, then suddenly you you don't have the money to spend on the receiving core, right? Right. Or you don't have the money to spend on the, the on the defense. And so it's um, it, it's it truly becomes an optimization problem where you've got this payroll constraint, and you've got to do all sorts of things to fill out your roster, 
And to me, the key on that is then suddenly we're now linking, um, and these things are always linked, but the, the linkage between free agency and the draft becomes really explicit and really key. Right. Part, of, part of the story in all of this is that there are, I think there are three quarterbacks uh, projected to go in the top five or top ten picks of the upcoming okay. draft. Um, maybe four in the first round. So you, have, you have Burrow, you have Tua. Uh, Tua and uh, uh, the, the kid out of Oregon, the Pacific Northwest. And then there's also the, um, I think there's a kid out of Utah or Utah State, I forget. And then, you know, one of my, my favorite, uh, Jacob Eason and uh, Jake Fromm from, from Georgia. So, you know, potentially five quarterbacks with first or second, maybe beginning of the third round grades right. right and so then that has to enter in this decision making process as well right right but even if you're like you know cowboys are looking at this dolphins are looking at you know like do we do we draft up do we get something like this i mean the dolphins could improve their team right away by let's say by getting a Dak prescott like if it, or or even a philip rivers right but it's do you bring on someone like that to kind of train your your new your new rookie. So you like, you say, okay, we're going to bring on Tua, but you know, maybe he's injury prone. We got to give him a good role model or give him somebody who can teach him how to, you know, read a defense or whatever else. And so we're going to bring in uh, maybe for three years, one of these free agents and have him essentially training Tua. Like, is that, because that might make a lot of sense for, I would say like 90% of the people on this quarterback free agent list, right? It doesn't make sense for Tom Brady. Tom Brady doesn't want to be somebody's shepherd right? He wants to go and win a championship. I think, I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, I'm just trying to read some tea leaves on what, what he's wants to well, do. Well, you know, that when I think about it, I, I mean, you're, I think you're almost sort of the, the old school of, I bring in the grizzled veteran to mentor the young and upcoming player, right? Right. Sort of the old school approach. I think in the present day era of salary caps and, you know, the, the way these CBAs are all looking now, it's almost this question of expected value versus um, likely cost. Right. And so, look, we've the last couple of years, we've seen um, quarterback superstars emerge in their first, second, and third years, right? Right. And so then the question becomes, right, it's like if you get this superstar quarterback, you know, maybe you view Tua as a superstar. Right. And suddenly you're going to pay him at a rookie pay scale. Or you've got Tom Brady at, you know, I don't know what the market's going to be for Tom Brady. Yeah, I would assume 35. he wants to be highly yeah. 35 million. So is it 3 million versus 35 million? And you can say, well, yeah, but Brady's a proven entity. It was like, well, he's also 43. And so it's like a prediction of where he's going to be versus, you know, what the next guy's going to be. And, and, and maybe that young player, and look, maybe it's overwhelming. But is it thirty? Is it thirty million dollars worth that risk, right? So I think so. I'm, I'm so. Uh, so here's where I'm stuck: is that in clearly, if everybody knows what everybody's optimization function is and the kind of characteristics they want, and then you get a really nice match, okay? And so the algorithms for these things turn work out pretty well. For those of you who are listening and, and have. Uh, you know, have like MD degrees. I mean, the matching. No, there's a there's a matching algorithm that matches people oh. when they decide that they want to go to yeah. to go get their. Uh, they have training after they go to med school, right? Their residency, and the, so the the residencies 
choose the residents and the residents choose the residencies and then they match them, right? Based on what your first, second, and third is, what have you. And, and those, uh, those kind of matching algorithms, they tend to work really, really well. I mean, they're pretty efficient, okay? What we don't know here is we don't know, let's say, that Tom Brady hasn't really come out and said, this is what I want. We're just making some assumptions about what, what we want. And we, and we want to assume that every, every, let's say, every one of these teams wants to win now. But what we also know is that some teams have, have, got, have a history of, let's say, tanking in order to like, try to win later. Right, and so it's like, okay, we're gonna spend the next three or four years tanking again, or just being kind of a mediocre team with the chances of creating some kind of a dynasty. All right, so we're not sure which teams are saying are willing to say, okay, let's give up a year or two. Let's, you know, we're gonna go nine and eight or nine and seven, like however many games they're gonna play next year. Right, let's go, you know, we'll win ten games or win nine games, but then we're not gonna get top draft picks and then we might not win the Super Bowl. I mean, you have to choose that too. Like, what's it worth being a mediocre-ish team versus not having a first round pick maybe the next two years? Okay, well, and I think that again brings it back to the the true complexity of the analytics and all this. And and when I say the true complexity of the analytics, I'm actually going to say that's I'm not going to I'm not casting aspersions on the team because I think it's actually kind of a hopeless task because what it what it amounts to is like not just let's say having a optimization problem in terms of how to allocate payroll across quarterbacks, linebackers, and defensive backs. Mm-hmm. Now we're talking about doing this as a dynamic optimization problem that has all sorts of questions related to forecasting, player progression, draft pick performance, and you know, frankly, as someone that's kind of worked with dynamic optimization techniques a lot. This is a task that probably isn't worth trying. It's interesting. You know, that the okay. da- well, that the data available in terms of the forecasting, you know, it's it's just not going to be it's it's not going to be good enough to to merit doing this for what you would get because what you would get is something sort of directional. That well, let me put it this way: you would need a really special decision maker, someone that really understood the underlying analytics and was willing to have the analytics sort of slightly or in a new, nuanced way affect the decision-making. Okay. And I, I, I mean, so we're, we're getting a little bit sort of beyond, we're getting sort of in the, you know, how this stuff actually ends up playing out. I think most decision-makers, you know, they got a big kind of gut feel component. And so if the analytics is kind of guiding something a little bit here and there, the analytics can end up feeling fairly meaningless meaningless right so if you're getting insights like well we should draft a quarterback in the second or third round every year because the likelihood that one of those guys works out is pretty high given the cost controlled nature of the player right i mean you you could come up with those kind of insights i don't think anyone's going to look at that and say okay that's how i'm going to manage my team right right so so i tend to i tend to think that maybe football is probably the hardest sport to engage like let's say long run trajectories and analytics on because there's so many moving parts i think baseball and basketball are much easier to do it so many moving parts and the likelihood of injury right it's almost like you need a joint model of every player probability of injury right conditional on health performance right i mean it's and it's so much different so i mean i've had people talk to me recently about you know 
should teams be employing more of a money ball technique for football? And I, I, every time I hear this, I say, look, there's some people who who are collecting analytics and, and trying to decipher all the different movements of a football team. But I say it, they're, they're not doing it the same way that baseball teams are doing it or basketball teams. Baseball teams are particularly well equipped to do this because scoring only occurs from the offense. And so once you start adding in all of these different elements, like you can score from the defense, you have special teams, when you score, how you score, the nature of the defense that you're facing. I mean, the truth is that a home run's a home run's a home run, right? Yeah. And so if you just know you've got somebody who's got power, like you put them in just about any park and it's going to, I mean, you know, that that's going to create a certain number of expected runs. But that's a little bit different than, you know, this guy can move in the pocket or this person has, you know, like situational awareness of the defense. That plays out depending on the, the, the team that you're facing against, right? Yeah. And so it's, it's scheme dependent. There's a multitude of interactions. And, and so I, I think it comes back to the same point of that analytics can just sort of play the support role. The support role. And the question is, you know, in baseball, maybe it's a much bigger support, right? I think it is. I think it is. So I think that I think the analytics in this sense is much more along the lines of it's going to move the needle a little bit. So if you're saying, well, we're kind of a toss-up between player A and player B, well, you run the analytics and you say, okay, well, based on our best guesses, it's going to be player B, well, then, you know, you can go with it. And I think you also have to acknowledge here that, I mean, I don't even know that, how legitimate analytics would be. Let's say you wanted to predict Tom Brady's performance next year. <laughs> I don't know what this, your sample size of 43-year-old quarterbacks is. Not a and lot. And so this is you know, predicting the evolution of a unicorn, right? Okay, so as we... I like where uh, you went with that. I like okay. where you went with that. So as we uh, wrap this up, so uh, let, let's each take a minute and you give me okay. your... You know, we, 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 and we can talk about some of the other quarterbacks here. Though. Let, um, but where do you want... Where where do you think Brady should end up, and where do you think he will end up? Hmm. Um, I think Brady should end up with the Patriots. I wasn't convinced of that earlier, but you mentioned information, asymmetric information. Those two are the best match. They've proven that they can create a magic together. So I think that that Brady should end up with the Patriots. I am going to let me let me ask you a quick question in the middle of that. Yep, Patriots going to pay him. Brady might want to set a salary record too. Just um, you know, that's part of the legacy as well. It is part of the legacy. I paid quarterback. Not right? convinced he's that deserved. He earned it. Robert Kraft is a okay. billionaire, but they but you've got right. a, but you have a you have a salary cap. I mean, this is a league that has a salary cap, and so are they willing to forego other free agents? I mean, they've proven that they don't have that they don't have the receiving core to get deep into the playoffs. They need a receiver. If they're going to brave, if they have Brady, they need a receiver or okay. a tight end. They don't. They don't have the money to do both. Okay. But uh, the question was, where would they? Where okay, would no, they? And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And so here's the de- I, And so where do you think he w- will end up? Uh, I, I was I was going to do a, to- a coin flip between the Titans and the 49ers. The more that you talk about, the more I don't you... know what Tom's looking at, but it looks like he actually came to the taping with a spreadsheet. I did, I did. I did. <laughs> okay. We are always talking okay, about so... we should bring more information <laughs> okay. than less information. Okay. And so, you know what? The 49ers just just went to the Super Bowl with the guy who played behind Tom Brady. 
they're going to have better information about how Tom Brady works than anybody else. I think that that's the team he goes to. Okay. Okay. You know what? You know, right back at this, I think the team he should go to, and again, you know, I'm, I'm probably viewed as a nut job on this one, is the Dallas Cowboys. No, we said this, we said I, this know, three I'm repeating, podcasts ago. I'm repeating myself. It's like I, I think this is the most interesting place in terms of, you know, if his agenda is legacy, it is by far the, the most interesting place. I think, you know, for the, the Cowboys, it would take some real out-of-the-box thinking. And, you know, they would get crucified by the fans. And that's, that's part of this deal. You don't want to get destroyed. <laughs> but to move on from Prescott, you know, you bring in a Brady, you sign, a, let's say, a Jake Fromm or, a, or you draft a Jake Fromm or a Jacob Eason, right? So mm-hmm. a second or third round pick. Okay. And you sort of roll the dice on development in a couple of years. I think that is the most spectacular outcome, sort of the most interesting outcome. But I will say, I don't think it's going to happen, right? I think that's that's too much for the Cowboy for Jerry Jones to risk. That's a lot of fun. You can't I'm, have possibly have yeah, that much fun. I'm going to agree with you. I, I think San Francisco ends up being sort of the the likely outcome because I think it that in that case it almost ends up being the right level of risk and interest for the teams to pursue. Cause it's a little bit crazy. It's a little bit interesting. You know, the obviously, it, well, I mean, from all public signals, it seems like they really like Jimmy G at new England mm. and it kind of fits Belichick's objective of if, and I don't know if this is fair, but of winning without Brady, it gives Brady a chance to win without Belichick with a, with a r- roster that's loaded. I think, you, you know, that one might make it makes just enough sense and it's interesting enough that I'll, I'll, I'll go along with that prediction too. All right. Okay. We got it. 100%. It's going to happen then. Okay. Last thing to add to this since we're talking about free agency, I almost feel like we'd be neglectful if we didn't mention this. One of the things that should always be considered free agency in any sport is something called the winner's curse. All right. I love it. Very okay, good. So, Tom, what's the winner's curse? So the winner's curse is that you want something so bad that you you start making kind of um, irrational um, advances on something, and so you just kind of push the price up so much that even when you win the player, you go, oh, wait, what? I, I just paid this much for whom? Since we're in Atlanta, like the Joe Johnson, the Atlanta Hawks signing Joe Johnson a number of years ago, you might say is an example of the winner's curse. Like they paid Joe Johnson so much. And I mean, he's, a, as far as I know, a very nice guy, but he just never lived up to mm-hmm. the amount of money they were paying him. And so the winner's curse is we just go after, we pursue, we pursue, we pursue, and then we spend all this money. And then we, we, when we look back, we go, wait, what? We just paid this, how much for this guy? Oh, my gosh. Well, let me add one other element to that. Yes. And I, you know, I just sort of ambushed Tom with that question. You know, but I teach, I teach this yeah. in my class. So. But so if we've got 30, 30 or so owners in any professional sports league and we've got, a free, we've got a free agent, people are willing to spend what they think that person is worth. So you have 30 individuals that have an evaluation of that player. Who's going to get them? It's going to be the person that has the highest evaluation. Right. So if we assume that on average the crowd knows what this person is worth, that let's say the, the median forecast or the mean forecast is correct, then the winner is almost always going to be, in fact, 
the loser, right? Right. And so there's another element here, and because I think this is a really important point, and I think we're going to take two more two more minutes doing this. So part of the evaluation is something called this marginal revenue product, or what somebody is worth. So the whole principle is, can you carry your own weight, right? And so typically we say this person's worth this much because they can produce an amount that's equal to that. What we see in some situations, and it can, it can actually contribute to the winner's curse, is when you misevaluate the production of somebody because you have sort of an additive production function. For example, let's suppose that I am, I am the Patriots and I, don't, I absolutely do not want Tom Brady to go to a particular team, I don't know, like the Steelers or something, right? So I might say, okay, if, if we lose Tom Brady and the Steelers get Tom Brady, not only do we lose this number of points, but then they also gain this number of points. So I'm actually evaluating it sort of in two different spectrum. We see baseball teams do this a lot. So they will like overbid on pitchers. If a pitcher is looking at the Yankees and the Red Sox, you go, the, the Yankees might say, well, wait a minute, but if they're playing for the Red Sox, not only are we losing that guy's 10 games, but then we are gonna, we're going to be beat by this guy like four times this year. So he's actually worth 14 games. And so, so then you play for him and you go, wait, you just paid how much for a guy who has, wins 10 games? That's ridiculous. They're like, no, but it's, we're losing those 10 plus we're going to be beat by him. This sort of additive production function it only happens in this in these arenas, literally, and that contributes to the winning curse because you just sort of way over evaluate what somebody's worth because you say, well, this is how much they're worth to me, but then this is how much they'd be worth to somebody else. So I'm attacking the negative amount to somebody else onto my amount. No, it's inappropriate. Okay, can I can I sort of. Shorten that one up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, well, that was, a, that was okay, like two so, minutes. So, I, told, I told you it was going to take two minutes. <laughs> so the idea is that sometimes we sign someone so uh, you know for because we think they're a good player, but also because we don't want our competitors to sign them as well. You have this ability for succinctness that I like. Okay. Thank you, Tom Smith. <laughs> Till next time. Um, stay safe. No. Stay safe. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you, Tom Smith. You're welcome, Mike. <laughs> <laughs>